0: This is the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast, episode 22. Today's show is all about the names that we call lavender. What are the different species and what are the differences between the oils that are produced by the different plant species? You're listening to the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast with your host, Liz Fulcher. If you're interested in learning about essential oils, hearing interviews with industry experts and discovering ways to grow your own aromatherapy business, this is the podcast for you. For more information and show notes, visit the website at aromaticwisdominstitute.com. Now sit back, relax, take a deep breath and enjoy as Liz shares a dose of aromatic wisdom. Hi, everyone. It is so great to be back. My name is Liz Fulcher. I'm a clinical aromatherapist. I've been practicing the art and science of aromatherapy for nearly 25 years. It'll be 25 years in May. And I'm your host for the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast. And I have a great show for you today. I'm very excited to talk about lavender. How is everyone? Today is March 24th and spring has sprung. I know not everywhere. There are places in Colorado, like my brother-in-law lives in Colorado and they're they're under you know, with snow and I have a lot of friends out there who are just buried in the snow and we've got flowers coming up and the birds are singing and the sun is shining. I I live in Pennsylvania. And so I'm very grateful that um, I can go outside now without a coat. And so it seems like a good time. I mean, this is just before Easter weekend. So it seems like a good time to talk about lavender. And so that is what we're going to cover today. All about lavender, the plants, that produce different species of lavender and the essential oils that come from those plants and how different those essential oils are from each other. So today's episode is about the taxonomy of lavender, about plant nomenclature, and it's generally full of botanical speak. Don't run away. Come back. Come back. I said nomenclature. They're running away. I'm going to admit I'm a little bit of a geek when it comes to plant names I love saying them. I'm I'm sure it's because I I speak Italian, and the plant names are based on Latin, and Italian's based on Latin, and a lot of the words are very similar. And it's just so much fun for me to say, like Citrus paradisi or Funiculum vulgare, Lavandula angustifolia. I feel like I'm speaking Italian. So, and of course, sometimes I, my students end up having the same pronunciation, which is so stinking cute. It's really important to understand for an aromatherapist and an herbalist to understand as much as we can about the plants that produce our essential oils. And once you know the plant names, it's going to help you ensure that you are using the right oil for the job. And I'll be talking about that in a little bit. When you hear the term plant taxonomy or plant nomenclature, what does that even mean? So we're going to start with the word taxonomy. So basically, taxonomy is the science of naming things, it's the science of naming describing and classifying plants, animals, and microorganisms. So all organic things in the world, basically. It's a system where, where like things are grouped together and that helps to give order to everything organic that exists. So botanical taxonomy is therefore grouping of plants with similar characteristics, right? So what the taxonomists do is they look at the morphology. So that's a fancy word for what something looks like is its morphology. They look at plant morphology, behavior, and also the, the plant's genetic and biochemical profile. So they really get every single detail about a plant, what it looks like, what it sounds like, how it grows, what is its DNA. And they classify similar ones together. And they give them fancy names, which are called binomial, or I beg your pardon, they're called Latin binomials, because binomial means two names. I'll talk about that here in a second. So this system was developed by Carl von Linnaeus in the 1700s. But since then, there have been loads of scientists who've gotten involved in naming the plants, clearly because the guy's dead. And plant names are changing all the time. There are often new plants that are discovered, and therefore, new names have to come up, have, you know, have to be created. Sometimes you'll see the name of the taxonomist who named it incorporated in the plant in some abbreviated form. So, for example, von Linus, his name is often abbreviated as L-I-N-N. So if you ever see L-I-N-N on a plant name, you'll know that it was named by this Carl von Linius. All right, that's taxonomy. Nomenclature is another word that we use in aromatherapy. Nomenclature is the term for naming of those things that we have grouped together. So taxonomy groups them together. Nomenclature gives them their names. Uh, It's how we distinguish things with similarities and differences. It is such a helpful practice because something like aromatherapy is a global practice, isn't it? we have people from all over the world using essential oils. And when we start speaking to each other, we want to be sure that we're using the same language and talking about the same thing. So a lot of essential oils are referred to by their common names. So lavender or orange or grapefruit or fennel, but it can be really confusing because different people in different parts of the world, let's just go with the English speaking world. We may call Oh, chamomile, something different. Somebody may call it English chamomile. Somebody else may call it wild chamomile. I don't know why I'm using chamomile because this is a lavender episode, but you get my point. The different countries will call plants um, by different common names. It's only when you refer to the proper nomenclature, the Latin binomial, that we're, we know we're talking about the same thing. So these latin scientific names are given as a universal identifier which enabled us to all be sure we're talking about the same thing regardless of what language we speak. So when I was in Rome, I wanted an oil, uh, let's say I had I think it was grapefruit I wanted and I didn't know what grapefruit was in italian back then and uh, it was it's pompelmo which is very different than grapefruit. But citrus paradisi is grapefruit essential oil in English and it's grapefruit essential oil in Italian, even if you do not know the common name that's used in that country. So Latin binomials really, really important if you want to be a serious aromatherapist. So I'm going to take Latin binomials a step deeper now. So we're going to talk about the the binomial, the two names that make it a binomial. Each plant is given two parts to its name, a genus and a species. Genus is the first part of the name, and it's always capitalized. So lavender, lavandula, capital L, lavandula, that's the genus. It's always a noun. And then the species is the second part of the name, and that often describes like a characteristic or some feature of the plant. It could be the way the plant smells. Usually it has to do with, if it's, with its morphology, which is the way the plant looks, uh, and that's always an adjective. And then the species is always spelled with a lowercase first letter. So we've got Lavandula, capital L, and Gustifolia, small a, because it's the species. So the genus and the species are what make up the Latin name or the Latin binomial. And notice, and, and probably once I tell you this, you'll realize, oh yeah, the Latin binomial is always italicized and italicized. That's because Latin is always italicized. Whatever your document is, or whatever your formal writing is, if you mention something in Italian um, in Latin, it will be italicized. Okay, everyone's still with me. No one's dozed off, or no deer in the headlights, because it's about to get interesting. Because we're going to talk about lavender. So, the taxonomy of lavender can be confusing. We hear a lot of different names for lavender. Not only are there many different species, but there are a lot of different common names for lavender. So you'll hear French lavender, English lavender, Spanish lavender. Those are not botanical references. It's just a reference to the country where the plant was grown. And sometimes not even that is correct. Something may be called Spanish lavender and it was grown in France. So it's because of this kind of ambiguity that I do not refer to varieties or species by country name. Instead, just look for the essential oil label and see the Latin binomial. Also, knowing the Latin binomials is a sign of, of professionalism. Let's talk for a second about this word lavandula. It has a very cool origin. The, the genus for lavender lavandula comes from the Latin word lavandus lavandus, actually. I think it's lavandus, which means to be washed, and um, or lavare. And I know in Italian, lavare means to wash. And now that I'm thinking about it, I bet that's the origin of the word lavatory, because lavare means to wash. How cool is that? I love language. So lavender plants get very large in Mediterranean countries. The ancient Romans were known to take their laundry and drape it across these huge lavender plants and let it dry. And of course the, the the linens and the clothing would be left with this beautiful scent of the lavender plant. So lavare to wash, lavanda, lavender, do you see where it all comes together? Isn't nomenclature fun? In terms of the different types of lavender. There are tons of lavender plants, something like, I don't know, thirty nine different species. Luckily for us, aromatherapists, they are not all used in the production of essential oils. I would go nuts if I had to remember 39 different species of essential oil. In aromatherapy, we focus primarily on four species of lavender essential oil. I'm going to talk about those four, and then I'm also going to talk about a fifth one that is brand new to me, and I'm really excited to share the information with you that I have about that oil. The four species that we primarily focus on in aromatherapy are true lavender, which is Lavandula Angustifolia, Spike Lavender, which is Lavandula Latifolia, Lavandula stochus, which just goes by the name of Stochus. I don't think there is any other common name. Next is Lavandula Intermedia, which is known as Lavendin. And finally, I'm going to add to this list Lavandula Spica, also known just as Spica doesn't have any other common name and I'm gonna tell you about all about that oil here and as I get after I get through this list alright so what I'm going to do now is go through each one of these species talk to you a little bit about the plant and about the essential oil and about um, what makes one essential oil species of lavender different from another uh, lavender species okay so number one is true lavender which the Latin binomial is lavandula angustifolia. It is the most common species harvested for this essential oil. And generally, it's when you buy lavender. It's not always called true lavender on the bottle. Usually, it's just called lavender. And generally, when you buy lavender, this is what you're getting. It's been used for thousands of years. Sometimes it's called English lavender. Um, Sometimes it's called true lavender. But again, how do we know what it is? Look at the bottle. It used to be called lavandula vera and Lavandula officinalis, but those names are actually defunct now. They aren't used. Instead, both have been dropped away in place of angustifolia. The word angu... well, folia, I know in Italian that's leaf. Angustifolia means narrow-leaved, so it's a narrow-leaf plant. Because it is has this beautiful sweet aroma, it's really the best one for aromatherapy and also because the chemistry is the best for skincare. Uh, as also uh, Lavendula angustifolia is the best plant. If you're going to cook with the flowers, make sure you use angustifolia because the others will not taste as well. This lavender grows at altitudes of about, well, above 2000 feet and it is native to the Mediterranean. Um, I know that there's a lavender that grows in Washington state and I wonder if that's angustifolia. There's a huge lavender region in Washington. So if anyone knows, let me know. I'm curious about that. The uh, lavandula angustifolia plant has little tiny purplish blue flowers and they all grow on one spike. Not to be confused with spike lavender. The chemical components of lavandula angustifolia are predominantly alcohols and esters, two very lovely families to find in an essential oil. And uh, like well, linolol is the alcohol and ester is linolacetate. acetate, and that makes it a very lovely oil, very skin-friendly, calming, and very, very safe. That was our oil number one. Oil number two, spike lavender. Spike lavender is the common name. The Latin binomial is Lavandula latifolia. It is usually called, it can either be called spike lavender, or sometimes it just goes by the name Spike. The word latifolia, so you've got that word folia again, which means a leaf. Latifolia means it has broad leaves. So these plants have leaves, obviously, that are broader, and their color is different. They're grayer than those of angustifolia. It also has taller flowers and real taller flower spikes than the angustifolia. So if anyone grows spike lavender, you'll know it. It's a tall, spiky flower. Um, The leaves or the flowers are bright blue, and if you smell it... while it's in the plant, you'll notice that it has more of a camphorous odor rather than that sweet smell, which means also that this is not a great plant for cooking because it's high in camphor. According to the British herbal pharmacopoeia, this plant was traditionally used for headaches, rheumatic pain, colic, and dyspepsia. And if you understand the chemistry of that oil, it, it makes sense for all of those. It's a great remedy for all of those conditions. Lavandula latifolia grows at lower altitudes than the uh, true lavender, and it has a really high yield. So it produces a lot of essential oil. It's very generous. It has gray-blue flowers, and it's primarily grown in France and Spain for essential oil use. So the chemistry of spike lavender is really different from the angustifolia. It has; uh, it can be high in one 8 and even as high as 25%, and it's high in camphor about 10 percent and this chemistry is what one of the things that makes it really different from lavandula gustifolia. It has therefore it's gonna have some safety features first of all I I think it's uh, it's great for colds and and pain and so forth but I wouldn't use it on children under I don't know I wouldn't use it on very young children like under the age of five because of the camphor content. Oil number three is lavender stochus, the Latin binomial lavandula stoiches it's sometimes called Spanish lavender, but I've often heard it also just as called stoechas, just by its uh, species. I don't see this essential oil widely sold, and that's probably a good thing because it has some chemistry that can be concerning. Lavender stoechas has a really high camphor content—really high, high, higher than spike lavender—and should definitely be avoided by children. I just children and camphor do not play well together. Physically, it's not a pretty uh, plant. It's not as pretty as like the true lavender plant, but it's very hardy and it can be be seen like on the European coastline, it can grow like right on the sand and in in between the rocks. So it's a really hardy plant. The chemistry of the oil is high in ketones. So it's like 50 or 60% of ketones. So it has its place therapeutically. Like for pain, I would like to use ketones for pain, but again, it's not to be used with children or in pregnancy. The fourth essential oil is Lavendin. That is the common name. The Latin binomial is Lavendula x intermedia. And I'm not sure if I'm, if you say X or if you say cross, but if you've ever seen a plant named peppermint is a big one, pep- uh, x that X means it's a hybrid. So Lavendin is the newest addition let's say, to this family of lavenders that use essential oils. So it's a hybrid of lavandula angustifolia, which is our true lavender, and lavandula latifolia, which is our spike lavender. So lavandin is a hybrid of true lavender and spike lavender. It first appeared in the early like, 1900s, and it grows at a low altitude. It's also very hardy and it produces a lot of essential oil this is what is grown big 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 in france uh, commercially when you see photographs of the classic french you know the provence with the fields rows and rows of lavender that's lavendin Um, the flowers are big and they and the plants are easy to harvest it's very hardy it produces a lot of oil so it's wonderful for commercial production it is Generally regarded as a lower quality essential oil than angustifolium, and it doesn't smell quite as sweet. And I'm guessing it's because it's a hybrid with spike lavender, which has camphor in it. So um, if you grow lavender and you're not sure which plant you have, true lavender has a single stem of, with flower, whereas lavender has a three-pronged stem. So go out and look at your lavender plants and see which one you've got. The chemistry of lavender is primarily alcohols and esters, which makes it very gentle. But again, it just doesn't smell as great. I think it's used a lot like in soap making and in perfumes and things like that. If anyone knows out there who, how, what lavender is commercially used for, let me know. I'm curious. Um, <clears throat> hybrids don't reproduce. They can't reproduce naturally. I mean, they have to be cut and cloned, and that is the case with lavender. So... You know, hybrids in general, generally don't reproduce in nature, so they have to be propagated. And another reason why it's great to use it commercially, because when it's cloned, it's going to produce the same essential oil chemistry over and over and over again, and pretty much the same smell. All right, moving into essential oil number five, our lavender number five. So this one I'm excited to talk about. It's an oil that is new to me, and it's Lavendula X Spica. The common name, I think, is just Spica, S-P-I-C-A. I I don't know if they're saying Spica. I say Spica. Um, Please note, this is not Spike Lavender, as I have heard it called. Okay. Lavendula Spica came on my radar last fall. My birthday is in October, and my friend Derek Pierce and his wife Jill sent me a birthday package. Jill and Derek are lavender distillers on the island of Crete in um, Greece and they grow a unique and spectacular lavender which I'm just making friends with and love it. So I got this package in the mail from Derek and Jill and it had lavender hydrosol that they create. It had uh, some St. John's wort oil that they make and it had a bottle of their Lavandula Spica. I have never experienced an oil like this. When I opened it up and smelled it immediately I thought of rosemary. Well, they sent me the GCMS report for the oil, and it has between, this particular batch had over 80% of eight cineol That's very unusual for a lavender. You tend to, eight cineol is a chemical component that gives things a camphoraceous, eucalyptus-y kind of smell. So you'll find it, of course, in eucalyptus. You'll find it in, in uh, ravent Sarah, You'll find it in rosemary. I've never seen it so high in lavender. So I, I saw the GCMS report and I really would not have believed it without seeing the report. Jill told me that they've been growing this, this um, lavender for a long time and have been having it tested since 2010, I think that's what she said. Maybe longer, but I know she mentioned 2010. And Jill said that the one-e8 senial has increased since 2014 after several years of drought. In my classroom, I stress over and over again, I tell stories like this. This is why you want to buy essential oils that have been batch-specific GCMS tested. A batch can change from one year to the next depending on, well, a lot of things. It can be weather primarily is, is a big one, but it can also be, you know, growing conditions and so forth. Completely change in oils chemistry. So she said from 2014, the 1/8 Sunil content has risen. I've never come across a lavender like this. I wish that you guys could smell it. I, I wish there was some way I could, you know, waft it to you through the airwaves because it's gorgeous. It's a lot like rosemary, and but of course it's softer and it does have a lavender aroma around the edges. Um, I took it into Pompeii Organics one day and I let several people there smell it and they all thought it was rosemary. They didn't really guess that it was like sort of like rosemary, but there's something else. Well, wow, because it's a lavender. so. The story around the name of this oil is very interesting. So Derek and Jill have been on, they're British, and they've lived in in Crete for a long time. And in 2003, Jill got a starter set of, of plants from a nursery in Greece. And she said in 2003, no one really knew much about lavender classification, so they got these unnamed plants. They just knew they were lavender. And the local people were calling it Spica. Again, I'm, it, they may be calling it Spica, but I say Spica. So Jill and Derek really wanted to have a positive identification for this plant. So Jill, for years, she did research and discovered in a book called The Genus of Lavender by Upson and Andrews. She used a monograph in that book to make a positive identification and discovered that Lavandula Spica is a hybrid between Spike Lavender, Lavandula Latifolia, and another lavender species called lavandula dentata. Now, I know nothing about lavandula dentata in, in terms of its chemistry. I only know that it gets its name because the leaves have like, it's like a tooth leaf, oh, toothed leaves, because dente is the word for tooth, and that's where we get dentist. So, lavandula dentata has toothy leaves. Jill shared that where they live in Greece, the Lavandula spica is generally just used in landscaping. And as far as she knows, they are the only ones that are actually cultivating it for distillation, cultivating it for the oil. And she was cute and she said, but it's also a big world for all I know somebody else is doing it. But I would be interested to know because it's a very unique oil with this um, one 8 cineal content. Just some more about the oil. It is a modern hybrid, first spotted in 1952 in Sydney, Australia. And it was much later analyzed to confirm its parenthood of lavender, lavendula dentata, lavendula latifolia. You can find out more information about Jill and Derek's lavender farm in Crete by going to their website, thelavenderway.com. I'm going to put a couple of things in the show notes today. I'm going to put a, a, the link to their website, the lavender Way. I'm going to put the link to the book, the lavender genus book that I thought I thought you might find that interesting. And also, I did a blog post a long time ago on taxonomy and nomenclature. So I'll put a link to that as well because I thought sometimes it's easier to see things written than to hear them. So, um and and you know, basically what I talked about today, I talked about in the in that blog post, but again, maybe easier if you read it. So today we talked about taxonomy and nomenclature. We learned about taxonomy as a science of classifying plants, nomenclature as a term for naming of those things that we have grouped together. We learned what a genus and a species are, and that the, the uh, genus and species together is called a Latin binomial. It's always italicized. And then we learned about five different species of lavender that produce essential oils. Lavandula latifolia, which is our true lavender. Lavandula latifolia, which we know as spike lavender. Lavandula stochis, just called stoges, uh, Lavandula intermedia, which we know as lavendin. And finally, Lavandula spica, which is the lavender that I just made friends with. I hope all this information has been informative for you and, and helpful, and that you've learned something new. And if you have any questions, you can always write to me, Liz at AromaticWisdom.com. And now we've reached that portion of the podcast called Smell My Life. If you're new to the Aromatic Wisdom podcast, Smell My Life is a little segment where I always share some way in real life in which I use essential oils. So my story this week is, Isn't how I used essential oils, but one of my students who had pretty dramatic something happen with oils. So I'm currently teaching an aromatherapy certification program. I teach this class live and um, one of my students, Helen, has high blood pressure. And she has it pretty severely in that, I mean, even with her medication, sometimes her blood pressure will go up. She started working with Lang Lang essential oil in a nighttime blend and discovered a dramatic drop in her blood pressure in a good way. Not that she had low blood pressure, but where her blood pressure was like 120 over 80. And she noticed it continuously every time she used Lang Lang. And in fact, that's one of the therapeutic properties of Lang Lang essential oil. Lang Lang is known as Kananga Odorata Forma Genuina, and it's a gorgeous flower essential oil. Very, very sweet, but one of the characteristics, one of the properties, I should say, is uh, lowering blood pressure. So there you have my Smell My Life this week. And at this point, I wanted to mention the um, Ask Liz segment that I usually have at the end of my podcast. I'm going to be doing something a little different. I'm still encouraging you to send me questions. I ask uh, people to send me questions about essential oils, anything they have, and I'll answer it on the podcast. I'm still going to do that. I'm still encouraging you, please write to me and send me your questions about aromatherapy or essential oil use. But instead of answering it at the end of the podcast, I'm going to compile them and answer several of them in one episode. And I'll probably do that, depending on how many questions I get, I'll do that from time to time. If you'd like to write to me, send me an email, liz at aromaticwisdom.com and put in the subject line, ask Liz. So that is a wrap for the Aromatic Wisdom podcast, episode number 22, all about the different species of lavender. I hope you enjoyed it and you learned something. And finally, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this podcast. Just thank you for showing up and for the wonderful feedback that I get from you and um, just for being here with me. And if you leave a review in iTunes, it makes my day and it also helps other people find the podcast. If you go to aromaticwisdominstitute.com forward slash iTunes, it'll take you to iTunes and you can leave a review. The other thing I do is on every podcast, just about everyone in the show notes, I leave a little um, link to where I have a tutorial on how to leave a, review. a lot of people want to leave a review and they don't know how. So I have a little tutorial. You just look in the show notes. And you can find the show notes at aromaticwisdominstitute.com forward slash 022. That is the episode number. Until next week, be happy, be well.